in the beginning of my tricking career, I was having a hard time like on my style. And that's very funny because that's something maybe that when I when I get got better at tricking, that's that's something that I get the most compliments on. What's up, guys? Today's guest is a world-renowned tricking legend. Please welcome to the Jamcast, Rasmus Ott. What's up, man? Hello. Dude, thank you so much for making the time to do this. You're one of our most requested guests, and uh, I know the time difference is crazy. What what city are you currently in right now? Uh, I'm in Aarhus, which is like the middle of Denmark, something called Jutland. Oh. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, 1945. And it was 7.45 here in Denmark. Yeah, we, we say 19, 19 yeah. I, and I appreciate you making the time, man. I know more than anything, like uh, you've had like a busy life pretty much like your entire career, but like you're recently a father as well. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. My, my daughter slept, uh, yeah, fell asleep, fell asleep, I think 30 minutes ago. So yeah, this was uh, pretty tight, but uh, yeah, I made it work. I appreciate that. And how old is your daughter at this point? I, I saw her in one of your recent Instagram clips. She is uh, one year and uh, seven months right now. Amazing. Yeah. And do you have any... She's small, but she's getting big, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. And do you have any uh, intentions of teaching her how to trick eventually, or will that be up to her decision? I mean, of course, it's, it's up to her, but I can already see that she's... Uh, She's very fond of moving, so I hope that she, I mean, at, at some level, maybe starts uh, doing some sort of tricks. Maybe not tricking, but just, you know, whatever, dancing or skateboarding or whatever, yeah. That is super cool, man. That's super cool. And now, obviously, like, you're one of our most requested guests because, you know, for so long, you've just been this pivotal figure in, in tricking. And, and what's kind of crazy is this is our first, I think, official time that we've, like, actually spoken. I was trying to fly you out to the jam gathering end of last year, um, which would have been insane. But, yeah, I mean, it's so cool to finally, like, sit down and have this talk with you, man. You're one of the few people who, like, across the board, people from Anish Sherfa to Daniel Graham, like, we all name you as people that we watch religiously. And uh, it's pretty surreal, man, to see to finally see you here. Well, I'm excited to see you as well. I'm excited to be here on the podcast. I mean, I'm not very, uh, I'm not very, uh, how can you say, active in the trigging community because, you know, I'm so busy doing a lot of stuff. But, you know, my heart still at, at some point beats for tricking. So, I'm, I'm glad that maybe somebody finds this uh, interesting. So yeah, I'll, I'll do whatever I can to make it interesting to to hear about. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, man. And, and at this point in your life, like I know you're a little removed from, from tricking, but I still see you post videos here and there and stuff like that. How long have you officially been tricking for and, and when did you officially start your journey? Mm, well, I think officially I started tricking when I knew what tricking was at least in 2005. Okay. Um, but before I started, I was able to do backflip and X to aerial. I don't know why I was able to do X to aerial. I didn't know what it was. I was just able to do it. Um, yeah, but officially 2005, but I've been able to flip since maybe 2004, beginning of that or something like that. Yeah, I was jumping a lot on trampoline and stuff and breakdancing before that. So. <laughs> I was fond of moving before I started tricking. 
Okay. Okay. That's super cool. And so how long were you uh, breakdancing and doing these other sports for? Mm, I started uh, dancing with, when I was a little kid, uh, when I was around eight years old. And then I started breakdancing when I was around 10 or 11 or something like that. It wasn't because I was extremely good at it. I was just, I, I thought it looked cool. And then uh, I also, uh, like when I was, actually when I was six years old, I was at this special uh, elite gymnast team, but I couldn't flip there. It was only like um, doing all these gymnastics uh, movements, like uh, going to the splits and uh, lifting in the rings and stuff like that, gymnastics before that, yeah. That's super cool. And do you remember- I've always been active like my whole life, but but tricking, uh, specifically tricking since 2005. And do you remember what it was that like got you into tricking or what finally, you know, inspired you to start specifically training that style of movement? Yeah, I I did. Uh, I started actually the first uh, the first thing I started at was uh, parkour. Right before tricking, one year before tricking, I heard about parkour. Um, I don't know actually how I heard about parkour. Oh yeah, it was actually just a friend of mine. I was doing flips on trampoline, and then a friend of mine knew parkour, and I thought it it, it sounded cool, and I started doing that, and then. Maybe one year of doing parkour, I heard about tricking, and then I just completely stopped parkour, and I was like, this is what I want, and I just became extremely obsessed with it. Yeah, so it was uh, through a a friend, uh, uh, I found out about parkour, and then it was through another friend that I found out about tricking. And then I found this uh, Danish uh, uh, forum uh, website, uh, like, just like, like we had tricks tutorials in the old days. We also had a Danish uh, website where we could chat with other trickers and stuff. And I found uh, other Danish people doing tricking and they helped me a lot and, you know, taught me all these moves and uh, showed me all the things you could do. You know, I didn't know anything. So it's like, what's a B-twist? What is a cork? What is, you know, all the things that you wonder when you start tricking. We're pretty lucky that we we got you though, because I know like in Europe, parkour is such a prevalent sport as opposed to tricking that, it, you know, even to this day right now, I feel like it's got a way larger population of practitioners and stuff. So, you know, on behalf of your friend, you know, thank you for introducing you. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty wild, man. And so back in the days when, yeah. when you first like got obsessed with tricking, like how often were you training and where were you training at? Were you in gyms and stuff kind of like you mentioned you had access before or were you outside on the grass like most of your samplers are? Yeah, I, I was outside on the grass. Like I, I just I, I tried stuff on my trampoline, my my garden trampoline. I had a trampoline my in my garden. Like that, that's common in 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 Denmark. I think it's common in a lot of places. But in Denmark, it's like there was this trampoline era. I think not, I don't know how many trampoline trampolines there's actually left in Denmark now. But at that time, there was very many trampolines around Denmark and I had one in my garden. So I was just uh, trying stuff there and then just trying it on the grass. And yeah, and I was just training basically just every day. And then I started getting access in my hometown. I started getting access to a gym where I could like get this little corner of the spring floor where I could be, where all the gymnasts, you know, they could just uh, push me away whenever they want. And I was just in this little corner, just 
uh, yeah, and I had one friend that I trained with, and then after a while, I, I found another friend, and we were like three from my city uh, who was training together. And then very soon I started going to Danish gatherings and stuff because there was actually a lot going on in the tricking community in Denmark before I started. So I had the luxury to just like enter that community and be a part of it and just, uh, you know, enter all the gatherings and stuff like that. So that was a very big luxury uh, to me when I started tricking. That's super cool, man. I definitely like wasn't aware of the scene over there in Denmark. Were, were there guys that you looked up to locally in the scene over there? And, and who were they? So maybe we could like try to look up some old videos of them and, and take a look. Yeah, especially. I mean, we had one of the oldest, I, I would say, exclusively tricking teams uh, in Denmark was something called Team Gravity Tricks. And they had like these uh, two uh, twins was like these tall guys with ponytails doing a lot of crazy stuff i mean we have a <laughs> yeah they, they were just uh, doing like beat twist quirks and stuff and i was just going crazy about it and the the all also was uh, some kids called multi-level kids which was like uh, inspired by joe Iger, and they were they were also like doing hyper twists and you know i i remember i i just really looked up to them and thought they were very cool uh, and and of course they were my you know uh, my easiest go-to people when I needed to ask you know how do you do that or how do you so I, I wrote a lot to them on on uh, uh, messenger MSN like that was what we chat on back then yeah MSN yeah and uh, I spoke to them and uh, I wanted to meet up with them and and uh, I mean. Uh, I think only half year, half a yeah, six months after after I started, I started meeting up with those uh, people like around in Denmark and just suck everything I could out of them uh, of tips and whatnot. So yeah, it was a fun time, very magical. That is super cool, man. And now you kind of mentioned that like you started to like get the chance to interact with these people and stuff like this. Um, have you always been someone that prefers training in group settings or did you mostly train alone? And I only ask that because a lot of the videos I see of you, with the exception of some gym clips, it mostly seems like you're just out there with a camera on a tripod and stuff like that. I mean, later on, I, I, uh, I learned how to enjoy being by myself. But in the beginning, I was very hungry for information uh, because I didn't know uh, how to do all these moves. And I really wanted to learn and I wanted to learn fast. And I also learned very fast. I, I mean, the first time one told me how to do a corkscrew, I actually did a very, very ugly corkscrew that day. Um, yeah. And some weeks by I, I did court to court and the next day I did court to court to court. So I was just like, I was really, really, really hungry for uh, getting to talk with people that could teach me something because, um, yeah, but then later on when I was able to train a little bit more by myself, I learned how to enjoy uh, having sessions uh, alone as well. Um, not that I don't enjoy uh, that I don't enjoy having uh, a session with, you know, a group of people, but um, it's just a luxury that if you're able to session by yourself, then you're sort of independent, then you can just train whenever you want. And, um, you know, and I'm very, I was happy to train on grass as well. So that's also just gives me freedom to train whenever I want. I mean, in Denmark, it's raining a lot. So that's, of course, uh, yeah, 
that sets some 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 limits. But um, yeah, I mean, later on, I really enjoyed to to train by myself. Okay. That makes sense from the videos. And so, like, w- with that being said, I know you mentioned that you had, like, a little uh, background in breakdancing and stuff like that. Did you ever pick up any form of structured martial arts during your time of tricking? Or were all of your kick tricks just learned through practicing over time? Yeah, practicing. I mean, if you look at my old videos, I I mean, it's not it's not really uh, very hard to see that my kicking is really some, the, the, the thing I've worked most <laughs> most on because in the beginning my kicking was just i mean it was not kicking i don't know what i was doing i was just trying something you know that's the thing about tricking the beauty about tricking if you don't have like martial arts arts background or or, or gymnastics background or whatever you're gonna look very stupid uh, uh, in the beginning and at least i i paid that price i mean i looked very stupid for for a great great period of time i would say with my kicks at least my flipping was a little bit better better and my twisting a little bit as well but i mean i was having i was in my in the beginning of my tricking career i was having a hard time like on my style and that's very funny because that's something maybe that when i when i get got better at tricking that's that's something that i get the most compliments on but like in the beginning also at uh, uh, tricks to tourists like the international forum when i started like making a little bit of a name of myself something that i was really critiqued on was my style uh, in the beginning yeah so so but maybe that also mo- motivated me to like uh, very really focus on my style so i don't know yeah that's like a perfect transition man because that's literally like i said one of the things that i think you're most renowned for worldwide amongst top tier trickers and everyone in the community is your unique style and the way that you link transitions together that a lot of people don't necessarily see. Like when you trick, I'm never able to guess your combos. Whereas when I watch a lot of other people trick, I'm like, oh, I know what's about to happen right now or I know what they're going to end with. So how, how would you personally define your tricking style if you're able to in words? And, and what do you think influenced that as far as like picking out these transitions and things like that? Mm. I mean, I've been tricking for so long that um, that it's very hard to um, to define my my own style because it just comes so natural to me how to develop combos. I mean, I'm very glad that you that you say that, but me for me, it's like I I always know what I'm gonna do. I mean, I, I try to break out of like this box that I created uh, for myself and and. Uh, Hopefully, for for the viewer uh, and the, the the tricking audience, you could see that I really um, uh, try my best to get as as much as like the spectra of tricking as possible into my combos. I mean, that's at, at least my goal. Uh, and also, I think I was born in a in a in an era of tricking that where it was really uh, important to like have have it all, you know. Totally. Have kicking, have flipping, have twisting, and you know combine it. Where maybe a little bit more, if you started to tricking today, you maybe start noticing what you're good at, and you just follow that path. And I think that's a very good idea as well. But I think some of my style is also because of the era that I was born to, that it was really important for me to like have a bit of it all, like have the whole package. And that's maybe also what I'm trying to do when I'm comboing. It's like try to not just do like 
stock stock compost but make it unique and make it worthwhile and try to you know surprise myself even like try to to do something that that's um, special for me and um, that's um, you know combines a little bit of everything i mean I, I can't really say it much clear i'm just trying to do something that i think is very cool and is uh, not just uh, you know a stock combo or a standard combo or something you have seen a hundred times before not to say that you know everything you have to do is it has to be something completely new or completely but just a little bit of a new flavor to it or, or a little different feeling or whatever yeah i agree with you man i mean i can't tell you how many times we've all seen cheat 900 hook touchdown raise something you know what i'm saying yeah. so <laughs> so it's refreshing to see your combos and like along the lines of that like how how do you like you kind of mentioned it that you try to surprise even yourself but how do you formulate combos we've talked to some guests on here that say they like write down combos ahead of time and then go to the gym and try to get them off a checklist do you do the same thing or are you someone that's more spontaneous when you're at the gym sessions based on how you're feeling i mean it depends um if, if I'm working on assembler on grass, I'm very methodic. I have, I, 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 I know what I want and I have it uh, written down. And it's not like what I do then is like the, the, the exact thing that, that's like written down on the, on, the, on the note. Maybe it's just, you know, the first two tricks is the same, but then, you know, one of the tricks is too hard, so I, you know, I downscale it a little bit to be able to do it. Or maybe I found I find another ending that I like a little bit more, or that flows a little bit more when I try it on, because it's also very important for me, you know, the feel of the combo. Sometimes when you write it down, you, you, you it's like a, a hypothesis. Yeah, totally. You know, and then when you try it out in practice, uh, uh, like when you when you try it actually physical trying it maybe it feels different and maybe even that day it feels different so you can feel that okay i need to do this instead of this or something so i kind of like just modify the combo a little bit and then you know hopefully i end up with a result that i'm happy with and <clears throat> to answer the other question when i'm just at the gym i i mean it's not like i'm this uh, artist that everything I do is just special and you know I also just do cheat nine hook touch and raise double cork at the gym you know just to practice I mean I also need to practice just like everyone else so you know it depends whether I'm filming for something specifically or I'm just training yeah okay was was there ever a move or a move maybe still at this point that was like extremely difficult for you or something that you have always chased that you you never were able to achieve or were you always just you know finding moves within your realm of style i guess if that makes sense no no i mean i'm not more special than anyone else i mean in, in the in in the like the like in my late career uh, before i got son you know you know i was i was chasing i, I I was exploring the power because mm -hmm. um, earlier uh, I was not able to do that much power because I had jumper's knee, so that uh, set some limits for me. And my jumper's knee started to get better, so I was like, "Yeah, I gotta get that dubbed up," and I and I got it. And it was very, it was like, it was like a big thing for me and for everyone else. It was just like, "Yeah, dubbed up is just standard now." But it was like a personal thing for me. I know that it's not something that's gonna you know blow everyone away, but it was just like for me, you know, I grew up in a time where double cock to double cock was this big thing and I wanted that thing as well and you know I, I also tried to 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 get the triple call but I, I was never able to get the triple call but you know 
I'm just like everyone else. I also want the big moves, but I also know, you know, that that's not what I'm good at. I mean, if if I if I need to impress the most people I can, that's not what I'm going with, like attempting a triple court. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I try. As I said, you know, I, I want the whole package. So of course, I'm also exploiting the things that I'm not very good at, and 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 some of some of those moves I I didn't I didn't get. Yeah. Okay. I think that's cool. I think that'll be great for some of our audience to hear that, you know, someone like yourself was still chasing stuff. I saw some of the triple corks attempts on your Instagram and things like that. So I just had to ask. Um, and then you kind of just alluded to it earlier with your jumper's knee. I remember when you put out your sampler called Facts. That was kind of like your injury sampler. And what happened, it, what happened specifically during that? Was that still jumper's knee or was it a more extensive injury? I mean, the jumper's knee is like a, it's like a rabbit hole that goes so deep. It's just like... Uh, I mean, it's just been around forever. Like in my whole career, I think it's just, you know, on and off and on and off. I mean, at this point, it's chronic, so it doesn't, it, it will never go away. And it, it wasn't away, but uh, you could do things that, so it's better and so it's, uh, you know, manageable. And I learned over the years how to control it. Uh, and I learned, you know, to listen to my body, when to stop and when to push and s stuff like that. But in the beginning, you know, back in, I don't know, I don't even know when it started, maybe 2007, when was facts? 2007, eight, something like that. Yeah. yeah, I was really starting to get momentum in tricking, like really pushing. And I felt like, you know, I'm just right there in the in the in the elite of of, of, of the tricking community. I, I felt like also in, in the power. The, the power department of things in tricking, I was like, yeah, I can, you know, I can have an impact here. So it was just really a bummer for me to have the jumper's knee because it just set so many limitations for me um, because I just couldn't push through with the tricks that I really wanted to. Um, swing throughs, uh, especially, was something that I, I almost didn't do for a pretty long uh, period of time. But, you know, at the same time, my jumper's knee is also the thing that maybe has uh, had uh, a voice in creating my style. I mean, it's it also ha have an impact of, you know, why I'm tricking the way I'm tricking today. It's it's not it's not only because of, uh, you know, that, that I have this vision of uh, how I want to trick. It's also sometimes what you see is also just uh, getting around my jumper's knee. Some of the combos is, 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 you know, I mean, you know what I mean? Sometimes limitations just creates new creative ways to, to move as well. And injuries is like that as well, or can be like that sometimes. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's almost like uh, at a necessity of protecting yourself, you start to go in a different direction and, and maybe do moves and transitions that you weren't thinking of. And now just for uh, just for kids out there that are listening and other members of our community, I know jumper's knee is something that's actually like quite common amongst amongst people that trick and stuff like that. Uh, what did you do to deal with it? Or do you have like any advice on stuff that has helped you like over the years to overcome it? Or do you think it's just time time resting that's the most beneficial? Yeah, I mean, I went to physiotherapists uh, with it and I got this uh, shock wave where you actually uh, like put uh, shock waves into it. So you kind of, you know, tear all the, the, the stuff down so it can like naturally heal itself. Um, but none of that really went very well. I think what helped me the most is just slow squats and then uh, activating my glutes. 
uh, I think activating my glutes was like the thing that that really uh, helped the most. Just uh, making sure that my glutes was always active when I was tricking because when I became tired, I more like I was more depending on my thighs. Uh, I don't know if this makes sense. I mean, I'm, I have a very big language barrier right here because you know physio and talking about the body but i hope you understand but activating the glutes and i actually was talking about talking with the uh i mean maybe a former tricking martial arts guy it's very embarrassing that i can't remember his name but i was like riding back and forth with him and he sent me these uh these um different exercises and i did some of them and some of them worked and it was I mean, I mean, some of it helped, but it's it's not like there was one thing helped. It was, you know, a lot of things. Also, just eating inflammatory, eating lemons every morning, and you know, keeping my, you know, keeping hydrated. And you know, someone sometimes before a session, I had these like bands that I rubbed around my knee. Like if if this is my knee, I, I rubbed it very tight here and here and then took it off. So you had all the blood running through to sort of like force a very good warm up before I even warmed up. So yeah, a lot of stuff. I've, I mean, I've been through it all. <laughs> no, it makes, a, it makes a lot of sense what you said about the glutes because uh, I'm actually just right now, I'm two months removed from a torn MCL and a fractured kneecap, a fractured tibia capsule. And uh, the one thing that my physical therapists are doing more than anything is building up my glutes. They're like obsessed with me doing two hours of drills a day to build on my glutes. And they said that more than anything, it'll help alleviate pressure. But also I think a lot of people take for granted when they think that the core is the center of your body, which it is, but your glutes are also like the center of your body from like a distrib distribution standpoint. So they said it's like absolutely key. So that makes a lot of sense what you did. I mean, maybe this is not as relevant right now because all of the, the very small Japanese is like taking over the tricking game. But back in the days we used to say like, if you have a big butt, you have potential for tricking. You know, the big butt, if you look at Velu's butt, Daniel Graham's butt, Seshumaro's butt, you know, all of those guys, they have a big booty. You know, that's that's the, the straight road to success. Yeah. Oh, that's that's going to be a soundbite that people are going to remember for the rest of Jamcast <laughs> history. <laughs> Oh man, well that's awesome, man. And, and along the lines of that, like back in the days when you were tricking and 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 really like you know training every day, like you said, were you doing like a, a very routine stretching or maintenance routine, or like as you've gotten older, have you focused a little bit more on that? And and what do you do if you do? I have to be honest here. When I started, I did no conditioning, no warm up, no nothing. It was just hard on every day, just trying to <laughs> trying to do like crazy stuff i mean and that's also you know why i got the jump on his jumper's knee i think it's just because you know i was just young and you know i mean we we when we started we were just anarchists you know we had no one older to to say i mean even the old guys in denmark that i know you know they they weren't doing the warm-up as, as well you know they they weren't like physiotherapists or whatever they were just like me just have been doing it for a little while um so yeah i i just trained recklessly and then as I got older, I mean, I've tried to do some conditioning, but I mean, honestly, it's not the, the, the most amusing thing for me to do. It's very boring for me. I hate being in a gym, like not a, not a, not a tricking gym, but like a weightlifting gym. It's very, I mean, you can see my arms, you know, I'm not, I'm not a pump guy. It doesn't interest me uh, at all. So it's something that I've done, you know, because I really 
really have to, not something that I've enjoyed uh, doing. So in the beginning, nothing. And when I got older, a little bit, but you know, I, I as, 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 as little as I, as I could get away with, I would say, you know, that, that's the honest, that's the honest answer. It's it's good though. It's good good to have honesty on here because we get a range of range of answers, and it's cool for kids to hear a different opinion so they don't think like, oh, I, you know. I mean, but my opinion is that if I mean, I mean, of course, you should do the conditioning, you should do the lifting, you should do everything, you should do, you know. But for me, it was very hard, and it is still very hard because it's very boring. Yeah. yeah that's but you know, with a pod, with with a podcast or with a with a sound uh, a book or something, it helps a little bit. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense, man. And like, uh, you, you've always been someone that, like I mentioned in the past, like you're someone that everyone around the world, it just constantly watches your samplers. You have insane amounts of views on some of them. I, I even know at a one point you had to re-upload a bunch of different samplers. Um, of all of them, um, is there one in your mind that stands out as your favorite or maybe like the most rewarding over your tricking career? Like personally, one of my favorites is cut the grass. You know, um, I love that one for some reason. It stands out as one of my favorites. But I just was just curious if there's one in your mind that, that is your favorite. Mm, I don't know. I mean, I think for the majority of people, what samplers they would mention is like cut the grass and source. I think maybe if you're a little bit older, you would say something like Oddfather, if you're very old school. You know, but um, I don't really know because um, I mean, if I have a favorite or not, I mean, maybe I'm biased because, you know, it's like asking a musician, like, what's your favorite album? And he will, he will, he will always go with the most recent, you know, it's like, why do you want to hear the, the greatest hits that I wrote back in the eighties, you know, and all the people are like staying like, yeah, sing that song. And they're like, no, uh, do you know, <laughs> do you know what analogy I'm, I'm trying to, to totally to replicate yeah so um i mean i'm i'm maybe a little bit biased but but i think root like the the recent pure grass sampler that i've made is is the the one that i really worked hardest on and will maybe have a little bit of a special place in my heart because it was it was a big accomplishment uh, accomplishment for me to make that sampler and i've really put in a lot of work in that sampler so when i look at that i'm i'm like that that was good. That was like a, a, a vision that I saw, like came true, uh, in some ways. So, I think right now that's my favorite. But maybe ten years from now, I would look back and maybe have, you know, another another favorite. Okay, that makes sense. And and when you're shooting these samplers of yours. Um, What's the process like? How long does it take for you to actually get the footage where you're happy enough? Is it like a process of a couple of weeks or a couple of months? And 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 how long until you're actually satisfied when you're like, okay, this is good enough for me to release as a sampler from myself? Depends because I also think I release a lot of. Uh, uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of um, different qualities of my samplers. It's not like you know every sampler has this very very high standard. I think there's you know sometimes I also just all, all the 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 good training clips that I've had from the gym uh, over a season. I I cut that together and release it, and I don't see that as a as a you know as this big piece. It's more just like a, a scrapbook or something something like that. 
Um, so, but but for for the samples that I really uh, put time into, um, it can. I mean, it's it's different because sometimes it's it's very hard um, to to collect clips. I mean, when I created Root, for example, it was like in the beginning of spring when I could start tricking outside to like the the when when I couldn't trick outside anymore. So like from from May to to September or something like that, um, because I just wanted and, and I also switched a lot of clips out uh, from that sampler. So that is the longest. But sometimes in the winter, you know, I have I have a sampler that goes from you know from autumn to spring, just the whole gym season, and I just you know release the best of those clips. So it's hard to say, but usually like a like a half year or something like that. But sometimes it can be sooner. If uh, you know there's this gathering and and I just you know make a lot of cool combos there, then you already have that much footage. So yeah, it's it's different, but it's it's never more than than a half year, I would say. Okay, and as someone that everyone in the community has you know has their eyes on and watches, is there anyone specifically that you used to watch back in the days? And then two part question: Do you still watch the current community with what's going on right now? Mm-hmm. Like back in the days, my my like my big idol has always been Seshumaro, um, Sean Ellis. I mean, I I almost I almost want to say I owe that guy everything. I mean, and I I also think that it's very important for tricking at least because you know tricking is a sport that just moves so fast, so it's it's so easy to like forget our uh, past heroes. So it's also very important for me to say that Sesumrao, I've watched everything of him and I've been really inspired by him. Not that we have the same style uh, or anything, it's just like someone that I really loved and I, I replicated him back in the days, but then, you know, at some point you, you start doing your own thing. But that's someone who I've really looked up to. And then also, you know, all the loop kicks guys, you know, Annie's, Daniel Graham, and all the old school guys. Also, Manny Brown. I've lo- I've watched a lot uh, from him. And then, of course, you know all the the current trickers that was tricking around the same time as me. Uh, you know, I was also looking at them, but it was like with a a different way you're looking at them because they're they're not your heroes. They're more like your fellow. You know, the same era you're in. You're like fellow tricking uh, partners or you know. Some of them I didn't know, but you know, Teddy, I was training a lot with him. And I also looked a lot of what he was doing and we were training a lot together. And also Velu, of course, uh, you know, Dan Pitlock, all of those old guys from back in the days. Um, but uh, currently I'm, uh, you know, I'm looking at uh, Instagram sometimes and I see something and it's like, whoa, that's crazy. And then I just scroll past, you know, it's, it's so embarrassing because I can't even, I can't even like name all the new Japanese. I mean, of course, I know Shosei. Everyone knows Shosei. And I, I follow a little bit, but it's not like I follow strictly. But I follow the Instagram, and we have like a little group on Instagram with me and some other old uh, Danish uh, triggers, and we post clips to each other once in a while when we see something crazy. But you know, it's also a different way of watching tricking. You know, back in the days, you were watching like this whole three minute, four minute uh, video of just one specific trigger and really get a good idea of, you know, what this guy is capable of and, and where he's maybe lacking a little bit. And in Instagram, you're just like watching this crazy combo in 10 seconds or something. 
and that's the idea maybe you get from him that's maybe someone i've never seen trick before i just see him doing this crazy combo that ends with a triple cork split or something like that i'm like wow that was crazy so it's a it's a different experience watching tricking these days yeah 100 i agree with you it went from a, a sampler you know era to now it's just short form content where it's like 10 second banger and then you just move on to the next one you know that's crazy, man. That's super cool. And and one of the things that I've always wanted to ask you about too, and I was curious like how it had an impact upon your early roots of tricking was, um, and, and this is like kind of a well-known fact for people that have been around the community forever, but back in the days you had a, you know, a successful career outside of tricking uh, in the musical scene. And I think that back in 2002 is when you won that contest, right? Uh, I, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce it. Um, so you can maybe you can maybe say how, how to pronounce that show. But I know back in 2002, you won uh, a contest and you had a song out that was Kick Flipper. And um, at that point, like how long uh, had you been doing music for and, and how long was your career as a musical artist, would you say? Mm, I mean, from... 2002 to 2003 or four or something like that and then i st stopped i mean i was i was very i was a very little child um yeah and then i think it was one year after that one year after i stopped singing that was when i maybe started tricking i think it was like that but don't but it was actually my my i had like a tour manager who was traveling around with us making show and he was a former gymnast so he 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 threw us around in backflips because we just thought it was fun i mean we were small kids i was i was 12 years old i was very very little i just thought it was fun but yeah maybe he has a little a little say in the in the start of the tricking as well yeah i was just curious how the timeline matched up with when you started tricking and, and when you quit and i was curious yeah i mean when i won the competition was three years before tricking i think and and maybe one year after I stopped singing, I think I think yeah. Okay, okay, okay cool. Yeah, I was just curious, like, and, and I was just wondering because, uh, as you know, when you're on tour and doing stuff like that, it takes away from your life completely in general. So I was just curious if it had any effect. But yeah, it's cool to know that that predated your actual tricking yeah. career. Okay. Yeah. All right, awesome. And along the lines of that, like, I know that like over the years, uh, you've kind of like still maintained certain like. For, for lack of a better term, like involvement in the in entertainment. Uh, in 2016, I saw like photos of you doing a circus, and and what was your involvement in that? Like, what was your role, and and what did you do? When I was uh, doing my um, my masters at the university, uh, and also maybe a little bit before that, I got a job as a host at this. Um, Danish TV channel uh, for very small kids and I would just do you know kid stuff with them you know I have like this program where we did a little bit of a gymnast uh, gymnastics uh, movement for them you know with a story uh, involved with it as well and you know slow TV TV where we would like dress up as uh, crazy people and run around you know it's children's TV it's very very funny but it's also very hard to explain uh, <laughs> but the circus is like uh, with all the the or some of the 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 people from that children's channel they go and they make a circus which is very weird because you know the majority of these people can't do anything circus like you know so it's more like entertainment 
but but I did a little bit of tricking, so there was a little bit of of, of real circus in there. But yeah, that was my role was just to like entertain uh, children and doing a little bit of tricking as well. Okay, and and what did you study in school, and what did you uh, get your masters in, or I guess go go to university for? Uh, I studied something called culture and aesthetics. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. And and do you utilize that degree currently or what is your current focus right now? Uh, I, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I still work with, uh, with, with children in a, in a cultural uh, scenery, you could say. Uh, I, I work at um, the, the library here in Aarhus. So I work with uh, different projects of, you know, uh, Getting how, how to get uh, children to read and what ways you can teach children in different ways. I'm uh, working with something called creative learning, um, and then I'm also just you know making events at the library, so different uh, you know theater or all sorts of of, uh, of different events for for children at, at the library it's very I, I don't really know if if in the in the us if you have like a library culture or what the library culture in is there but in denmark it's very progressive uh, it's more like a cultural institution um than it is like a a place where you just go to get books so it's it's a it's a big subject and i'm very i'm very uh I'm, I'm, I think we should we should stay out of it because it's such a <laughs> such a so big topic that yeah. doesn't have anything to do with tricking. <laughs> totally, man, totally. And I and I was just curious, just because I think a lot of people are curious, like what's going on in your life at this current time. And and you're one of the few guys, like besides myself and the guys in the stunt industry, that have like an IMDb page and and stuff like that. So I was able to like look up some of your credits. I also saw you were a writer on a show in 2017. Uh, is a handbold mission or something like that? Oh yeah, 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 uh, yeah. That was also part of my study. I, I did this uh, this TV pro- program with uh, some kids that was that was uh, learning to play handball, and it was some kids that was very bad at uh, handball or at handling a ball in every way. So they had like. Uh, uh, a amount of time to get good at it and then uh, at the end they, they would face a, a, a very strong opponent it was a very fun pro- program yeah okay cool man now that that's just super cool i feel like i feel like people in the community especially like the ogs would kill me if i didn't at least ask about your involvement in their entertainment industry because for a long time like in america people would always be like oh rasmusad he he was a pop star and now he's a tricker you know <laughs> Nice, funny, yeah. yeah I mean, I'm very known for these days. You know, I just work at the local library. I'm just being a father. You know, I'm just, I'm just doing my thing, just chilling, doing the stuff I love. I play a lot of disc golf as, as well. Yes. Do you know what that is? Yes. Oh, we play in America. That's very funny. And I play badminton sometimes, and I play, you know, paddle tennis. Do you know what that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play a lot of different sports. You know, just being a normal guy in Denmark. That's cool. And along the lines of that, uh, how often do you find yourself training these days? Do you still find and make time to trick? Or is it something that just kind of happens sporadically? Yeah, sp- sporadically. I mean, I had maybe two sessions this summer on the grass. Um, and right now, you know, I, I've, 
I want some some part of me want to go to the gym sometimes, but you know everything that's going on with the COVID and stuff like that, you know it's a little bit limited uh, here. I mean I could go, but it's also it's very late. Like the training time in Denmark right now is very late, and my daughter wakes up very early in the morning, so it's also uh, you know yeah. So at some point I will maybe you know just come back to just train a little bit tricking but as for now i'm just keeping it low just riding it low just uh, yeah just i don't know what to say i mean i'm just not in the mood for tricking right now in this place that i'm in right now or in this in this period of my life that i'm in right now but i hope that the uh, the motivation comes back to tricking in in some form not the form that i was used to but just in some way i have this thing that i, I want to be able to do a double court when, when i'm the age of 40. Oh. so <clears throat> i need to work on that if, if i want that to uh, to come true that's super cool man and and like you know for someone that's been in the community for so long i think you deserve to take a break and, and who knows sometimes these little pauses in our training reignite a fire where later you come back i know recently i got really inspired um this last year all of a sudden i, I jumped back on the training wagon because bailey Payne just pulled me out of the pulled me out of my slumber of, of being lazy and uh i got I got obsessed with it so hopefully we'll see the same man and uh you know just uh before we get out of here what what advice would you have for like a youngster that wants to get intro into tricking like do you have any advice on what they should do to start foundational wise or as far as developing their own style or any advice that you would give to someone in the community to save them some time mm. I would say just just follow your passion. I mean, follow the areas of the tricking that you're most passionate about. Um, if you think it's very cool to flip, I think you should flip a lot when you start tricking. If you think it's very cool to kick, I think you should kick a lot because you know, you're most progressive if you're doing whatever you, you're really excited about. So. So that's that's the the greatest advice I could give, and then also just um, like do do your 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 basic work as well uh, as uh, don't push your body too much. Uh, that that's that's very cliche. It's like don't do what I did, but um, you know you. Right now, I think it's also if, if you have the potential, you, you just want to be very quick to like um, release all that of all that potential. And I think maybe if I back in the days just held a little bit back and just a little bit more steady forward, it would be better for me. But at the same time, you know, I look at all the young people and they, they are not holding back. They're just going hard. So at the same time, you know, if you're exciting about it, if you feel it, go for it. But I don't know. I don't know what's the best advice because it's also, you know, up to the up to the individual person. But I think follow the pa follow your passion within tricking is very universal. So I think I'm going to just stick with that. OK, no, I think that's great advice, man. Totally. And now before we get out of here, this is the question I always leave us on and that I ask everyone around uh, the community and on the Jamcast just so we can kind of see what happens. But uh, where do you personally see yourself five years from now and where do you see yourself 10 years from now? And that can be tricking related, life related or whatever comes to mind. Oh, man, five years from now. Thirty six. My daughter is six years old. Um. I am probably just the same way I am right now. Maybe I'm tricking a little bit 
and maybe I just got a little bit of motivation back. Maybe I have another job that I have right now. Maybe I'm another place, or maybe I'm, you know, I'm not working as much. Maybe I'm, I have more time for like for like my my daughter, and maybe tricking a little bit more. Um, yeah, but but not too many changes in five years, and I think in ten years. <laughs> no, that's, that's man, a common answer know. too. In 10 years, 10 years, that's so, so long, so long. I think in 10 years, maybe, maybe I have my own business in 10 years. I just, I, yeah, I want to say that in 10 years, I have my own unspecific business that is uh, leaving me a lot of free time where I can do what I want. Okay. And hopefully you're still hitting the double corks then. Yeah, and hopefully I'm hitting the double corks as well. Hell yeah, man. Well, yo, I appreciate you making the time to do this, man. Like I said, you're one of the most requested guests we've had on this show. And I know that uh, more than anything, whether it's new gen or old gen, people could take away a lot from someone like yourself that's had a huge influence. So thanks for making the time, dude. Thanks for having me and thanks for all the kind, kind words. And, you know, yeah, as I just told you before we started, my, my English is very rusty because I don't talk to English people during my daytime. So it's like only triggers that I talk English to. So I have, I have a hard time expressing myself, but I hope that, you know, it all makes sense at, at some point. So, yeah, thank you for having me. Hell yeah. Your English was better than half of my friends here in America. So uh, <laughs> with that being said, man, before we get out of here, can you just let people know where they can follow you and stay up to date? with you know your journey in life um i have an instagram that is just rasmusat and you can go there and follow i don't post that much uh, right now and it's also very tricking exclusive but you know if you want to follow me tricking wise i will post there occasionally every time i trick i promise and then also you know my youtube who knows maybe there's a sampler in in 10 years my 40 year old double cork sampler just of me doing double cork 10 different locations i don't know but subscribe to rasmusad on youtube as well hell yeah guys please make sure to do that and with that being said guys please be sure to hit that like button comment subscribe for brand new episodes each and every week join us every monday for jam breakdowns and every friday for brand new jamcast interviewing influential members of the movement community like mr rasmus odd himself so with that being said guys i gotta give one more special thank you to our guest this week Ott, thanks for coming through man i appreciate it you too uh, yeah yes and as always guys coming at you coming through i'm your host travis wong thanks for joining us here on another jamcast until next time we'll see you all soon Peace.